Thank you so much, Jonathan and Susan and Ella and choir. That beautiful piece draws us into the season of Lent. Uh, you know, by our best estimations, the phrase, do not be afraid, appears in the Bible 365 times. In a normal year, once for each day. Yet our world today seems filled with overwhelming fear, mean-spirited rhetoric, and disheartening doubt. There is so much that gives us pause as we seek to be fully alive in this world. And so we enter into this season of Lent, this 40-day period between Ash Wednesday, which was this past Wednesday and Easter Sunday, don't count Sundays, this 40-day period where we reflect on who we are, who God is, and what God is calling us to do and be. And this has traditionally been a season in the church when we prepare to receive the good news of the resurrection of Jesus Christ on Easter Sunday. And we do this period of Lent so we may clear those things out of our lives that prevent us from being fully alive, that prevent us from truly receiving the good news of Easter Sunday. And so today we begin a new sermon series that we are calling Unafraid, Overcoming the Power of Fear. We're going to spend these next Sundays exploring the fears that fill our lives, our real fears, our perceived fears. You know, fear is nothing new. The amount of times it appears in the Bible, the amount of times that we hear do not be afraid tells us that fear Fear is nothing new in the human experience. You know, in our church, too, we don't often talk about the fear of God. That's just not who we are. Chances are, if you grew up in the disciples of Christ's tradition or a very similar tradition, you did not hear about the fear of God very often growing up. Now, some of us perhaps grew up in traditions where the fear of God was the main central focus of church. It was the main central focus of the Christian faith was to fear the Lord. Now you may have heard the piece from Hebrews quoted it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of God. And for many years people have used this particular text to justify the fear of God. And it's rooted in understanding God as a God of judgment. And this God of judgment has been made manifest in people's lives for years upon years upon years. There is no shortage of people who have been taught to fear God much in the same way that we were taught to wait until your father gets home when we got in trouble at school. God was kind of like that angry father who would come home to punish us later. But we proclaim that this is not who God is. We proclaim that fear, fear is particularly limited when it comes to using it as a tool of transformation. Fear does not change us, but love does. And this God of judgment, this God of fear, is not a God we can turn to when we already feel guilt and shame over our perceived shortcomings. This God of fear does more damage to us than helps us. But in some way, also, the other way doesn't work either. The Bible doesn't exactly present God as a doting grandparent, ready to 
pick us up and dust us off and leave us exactly the way we were found. And there's nothing wrong with being a doting grandparent, but the Bible seems to suggest that God is a little bit more than that. That in the life of faith, there are no participation trophies. We don't get credit for just simply existing, just simply being God means to, in a way, disrupt our lives, to turn our lives inside out and sometimes even ruin our lives. I mean, look at Jonah. God ruined Jonah's life. Now think about that. Think about if we talked about how God ruined Jonah's life and then we put out on the church sign today after church, come and join us, it will ruin your life. Now, I'm not in marketing, but that probably, probably would not draw a lot of people in. There is a church in Ohio that I know about, and over the front door of the church carved into the stone are the words, enter at your own risk. Enter at your own risk. Now, that strikes us a little funny, but perhaps it is accurate that when we move into the doors of a church, we should expect something to happen that is a bit risky. In fact, if it only makes us as comfortable as we are and leaves us the way we are now, then perhaps the church is not doing its job. So perhaps it is fearful to fall into the hands of God, but just not the way that we might think. Now, the church I grew up in, the church I grew up in in Decatur, Georgia, was one of those classic church buildings, the kind of church that was intimidating to you as a child. And when I was in sixth grade, I got to go to my first lock-in at the church. I got to spend the night at the church. And our youth can tell you, Brian and Katie can tell you, spending the night in a church is kind of a scary thing. When the church is dark and there's not a lot of people here, and, and at this lock-in in Decatur, we played a game of sardines, which is, of course, what you do at a church lock-in. It's where one person hides. It's the opposite of hide-and-seek. So one person hides, and then everyone else tries to find you and hide with you. And so our sanctuary, our sanctuary, they're set at the end of a hallway, and once you got near the sanctuary, all running stopped, and all goofing off stopped. We would run and pretty much do anything around the rest of the church building, but once we got near the sanctuary, everything came to a halt. We would approach with this mix of reverence and fear, and then we would creep up the hallway, and we would open the door to the darkened sanctuary. The only thing, the only light in the sanctuary came from the street light outside that shined in. It was as if this was the street light of God, as the reflection of God was just there in the midst of this sanctuary. And then as, we, as soon as we would open it and crack the door and look in and see the light and see the darkened sanctuary, we would slam the door shut and we would run away. We were in awe and we were fearful all at the same time. And so I wonder if it's not the same for us now. We come to experience the awesome and the powerful presence of God, but we're also afraid to really experience it. 
We're afraid to put our fears aside so that we might make room for the promises of God in our life. Yes, we enter into this place at our own risk, but we do whatever we can to minimize that risk so that we may not be changed too much out of our comfort zone. And so this morning I ask you to think about this again. Has God ruined your life? God indeed ruined Jonah's life. Jonah's minding his own business. God calls him to go to Nineveh to change the hearts and minds of the people there. And instead of getting on a boat for Nineveh, Jonah gets on a boat going in the completely opposite direction to a completely different place. He's going as far away from Nineveh as he can. And of course, given the perspective of time, we have condemned Jonah for this. He's sort of a running joke, right? He's the guy that spent three days and three nights in the belly of a fish or the belly of a whale. He's a great little VeggieTales video. Love the Jonah VeggieTales. So we've given Jonah a hard time, but the truth is that if God had called one of us to go to Nineveh, we very well might have bought a ticket and gone in the complete opposite direction. God perhaps has called you to do something in your life and you have done the opposite. Or even worse, we do nothing. We become paralyzed by the fear of the Lord. And we can't move physically and emotionally and spiritually from right where we are because we just are too fearful to do anything. Now, I'm afraid of heights. Not so much airplanes, roller coaster kind of heights, but heights that are not contained. I very rarely will not climb a ladder. I have been on the Mexico mission trip probably nine, I think nine times in my life. I've never once been on the roof of the house. And that's what, maybe an eight, ten foot ladder? Won't climb it. Ten years ago, Mary Michael and I had the pleasure of taking a pre-kids trip to Costa Rica, which now, ten years ago, that seems like ages ago now. And we did a rainforest jungle hiking adventure where we hiked up a mountain, and we got pretty high up in the trail, so high that you could see as they advertised clear to the Pacific Ocean. And they were right. We could see that far. Well, the trail suddenly ended into a long swinging rope bridge. A long, high, swinging rope bridge that you could see clear to the Pacific Ocean from. And this was the type of bridge, I'm not even sure if it was like this, but this is exactly how I remember it, that as soon as you stepped on it, it started swinging. And so Mary Michael was very encouraging, the guide was very encouraging. In my mind, I thought, I'm going to die right here on the side of the swinging rope bridge. Someone's going to come 10 years from now and find me still here. And so the guide reassured me, very kind gentleman, that all you had to do was keep going. Don't stop. Don't look down. And so I started slowly at first and then even slower. As the bridge began to swing, I thought to myself, well, I should see the view clear to the Pacific Ocean, shouldn't I? So I looked up. I looked down. And I froze literally froze. The bridge is swinging all over the place. Everyone else has already crossed. I'm the last one to cross. And then I remember thinking, 
I'm going to die right here on this swinging rope bridge 10 years from now. Well, probably not that long, but this is, this is bad. I could not move. Fear, fear had taken over. Fear had paralyzed me. Thank God for Mary Michael because she somehow encouraged me. And if it was not for her, I would still be standing there today. And so I wonder if Jonah had not responded to God's calling in his life, if Jonah had not said, I'm going to go to Nineveh, would he still be in the belly of a fish? Would that not have been three days and three nights, but would that have been longer with him just there paralyzed with fear? Perhaps the people of Nineveh that needed to hear the good news of God, they would not have heard it. They would not have changed their lives. They would have never heard what Jonah was sent to complain to them. And perhaps most importantly, Jonah's own life would not have been transformed. He he learned to see people in a different way. You see, Jonah only saw people different than he as, as others and not as fellow children of God. But Jonah learned to see them that way when he went to Nineveh. He learned a different economy of sin and of grace than he once believed. You see, Jonah fell into God's hands. And when Jonah did that, he was never the same. He was never the same. If we're being honest, few of us probably readily welcome experiences where we're forced to reevaluate our relationship with God. That is difficult work. Many of us don't ask for those type of experiences because we are willing to stay within our comfort zones no matter how unhealthy those comfort zones may be. We've probably all engaged in behaviors that we knew were unhealthy for us but we kept doing them because that is what we knew. We're all guilty of that. But the truth is, when we let go of those fears, when we fall into the hands of God, we are never the same. It is a fearful thing, isn't it, to look in the mirror, to look into our souls and our spirits and not recognize who we see because God is doing something new in us. Perhaps you've looked in the mirror and you've not recognized who you see in the mirror because God is doing something new. It's not the old, it's not the familiar, it's not the comfortable, but it's something new. In the first letter of John, we find this understanding of the nature of God. There is no fear in love, but perfect love cast out fear. Perfect love cast out fear. This is the love that we know in the life of Jesus Christ. This self-emptying, this life-giving love. It's the kind of love that we are called to live with as the guiding principles of our hearts. It erodes the hardness of our hearts and spirits and draws us into relationships we've never imagined. We can leave fear behind because that we know we are the recipients of perfect love. We are children of a God who loves us with that perfect love, and that love has the power to change us in ways we never thought possible. 
You see, what Jonah learned is what we learned, that God sees our transformation not only as possible, but as necessary. As necessary. Because God is wanting to do something new in us. So friends, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God, but only because we will never be the same. And why should we stay the same when the love of God has the power to make us so much more? 